With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Chapter 13 of Building a Railroad by a Self-Made Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 A Startling Discovery Don Winthrop was thunderstruck at the sight of his enemy for whom the police of Lakeview and the vicinity had sought in vain, finally giving up the search and the belief that the man and his confederates had escaped from the state. "'Jim Kelso, here?' gasped the boy, hardly believing the evidence of his eyes. Shaking off the feeling of dizziness which came over him for a moment, he looked up again, but the rascal had disappeared. "'The villain is crouching up there among the rocks,' he muttered. "'It was he who launched that rock down upon me beyond a doubt. What an escape I've had!' "'By George, I'll rout him out of there before he's five minutes older.' He dashed back across the rocks as if it was the smoothest pathway in the world, and reappeared before the mouth of the tunnel just as Gil and Joe Sinky came walking out. "'Great Scott, Don, what's happened to you?' gasped Gil, observing the smear of blood on his brother's face and the red gash just above his right ear. Ignoring his brother's excited remark, Don seized Gil by the shoulder. "'Get your men out here, quick!' he exclaimed sharply. Sinky, being accustomed to obey the orders of his superiors without question, jumped back into the tunnel and shouted to the laborers, with such good effect that every man of them, except the men directing the operations of the steam drills, came rushing out. "'Get around on the rocks, every one of you, and look for a chap that's hiding somewhere up on the cliff,' ordered Don. "'It's Jim Kelso,' he explained to his brother as they followed in the wake of Joe Sinky and his men. "'What?' ejaculated Gill in astonishment. "'You don't mean you actually saw Kelso around here?' "'I met Kelso,' said Don. "'This wound is a gentle reminder of his presence "'and his amiable intentions towards me. "'Good heavens, that fellow has lots of nerve.' "'The Italians, led by Sinky, scaled the rocks like so many monkeys. "'The cliff was accessible about two-thirds of the way up. "'Beyond that, for a matter of twenty feet, it was like a smooth wall. "'As far as the men could go, the rocks were thoroughly overhauled, "'but they found not the slightest trace of Jim Kelso nor anyone else.' "'He must have managed to get away during the minute or two I lost in coming after the men,' remarked Don regretfully. "'Too bad,' responded Gill. "'It would give me a heap of satisfaction to see that scoundrel in jail.' "'We'll get him there yet,' said Don, with a confident nod of his head. "'I shall not feel easy until we do,' replied his brother. "'He's making most persistent attempts to do you up. He's a desperate scoundrel. "'I wonder where he could have got to in so short a time.' said Don, scanning the face of the cliff intently. He must have scrambled down and sneaked off around the rocks in an incredibly short space of time. I suppose so. If there had been any hiding place up there, the Italians would have found it, I imagine. Half an hour was wasted to no purpose over Jim Kelso, 
and the laborers returned to their work. Don, with his head bound up, went around the cliff, jumped on a handcar, and was soon inspecting the more advanced part of the railroad work. Gill called up their bookkeeper and general office assistant in Lakeview and told him to notify the police that Jim Kelso had been seen in the vicinity of his cottage. A couple of officers came out late in the day and made a tour of the neighborhood, making another thorough search of the cottage, but their efforts were not productive of results. One fact, however, was brought out, and it occasioned Don a good deal of concern. Nellie, the blind girl, was missing from the cottage. This, too, in the face of the constant watch that had been kept on the house on the cliff. How had it been managed? Don believed the night watchman must have fallen asleep at his post, and that this fact had become known and taken advantage of by Mrs. Kelso, who was about as artful as they make them. In fact, after that day's adventure, it was by no means certain that Jim Kelso had not been in the neighborhood all the time the search was being made for him and his companions in guilt. It was quite possible he had a hiding place which, so far, had defied detection. Don was not thoroughly satisfied with the exertions of the police. He and Gill talked the matter over, and at night after supper they rode out to the cut, left their horses in charge of Mike Doyle, and then walked on through the excavation, which was now completed and graded, ready for the permanent sleepers and rails. The night was warm and still, but the sky was overcast with flashes of lightning in the distance. They passed through the cut and took their way over the hills beyond the rear of the Kelso cottage. In making this detour, they purposely perused the least frequented route, which took them down through a gully in the hills. "'I think we made a mistake in taking this road,' said Gill. "'It'll take us all night to make our way through the brush.' "'Oh, there can't be so much of it,' returned his brother encouragingly. Just then a stout twig pierced Gill's light jacket and tore a big hole in it. "'There now!' he ejaculated discontentedly. At this rate, I shall not have a stitch on my back when we come out at the other end. Hush! cried Don in a sharp whisper at that moment. What's the matter? I'm sure I heard voices. What? Down here? Yes. Keep quiet and listen. Gill complied with this request and strained his ears to catch any sound which might strike on the night air. Do you hear it? whispered his brother Don, gripping him by the arm. I hear something replied Gill in a similarly guarded tone. Follow me, and don't make a sound if you can help it. Don parted the brush which lay in a dense mass in front of him, and carefully felt his way down the gully. The two boys advanced like slow-moving shadows, and with every step the sound of voices grew more distinct. At last they felt they were close upon the speakers. Can't go more than a step or two further without betraying our presence, Don whispered into Gill's ear. They're just around this bend. Who do you fancy they are? asked his brother softly. One of them I can almost swear to be Jim Kelso, and the other— Here Don pushed his head warily through the brush. He found himself looking into the pocket of a gully. A red glass lantern, similar to those used by railroad men or contractors, was standing on the ground in a small cleared place. It gave out sufficient light for the boy to recognize the two men seated on a section of a decayed tree— which had been rolled down into the gully. One of them, as he had surmised, was Jim Kelso. He looked thoroughly disreputable in his attire, as if he had sustained hard usage of late. His companion, who was stout and well-dressed, was none other than Andrew Newman. That these two persons should be found together in earnest consultation in such a place, and under the circumstances that surrounded the ex-foreman, was a disquieting discovery for Don to make. 
The boy scented trouble. End of chapter 13